0: Thank you for listening to the following film's podcast. Today, my guest is Jessica Cavana dornbush I had her on to talk about her latest film, Rifa, which is currently available on Premium VOD, as well as playing in theaters in Miami right now. The film tells the real-life story of Israel Rifa Hernandez Jr. Um, I wasn't familiar with this specific story going into the film, and it's something that's been well-documented at this point in time, but I saw the film blind. And so, if you do want to go into the film without spoilers, which seems strange to give spoilers for a film that's based on an actual event, because this is something that a lot of people will know the story, um, go ahead and just watch the film, give this a shot without listening to this podcast, and come back and listen to it afterwards, because pretty much right out of the gate, um, we start talking about spoilers. It's something where I ask her right away if that's something that, um, we should hold off on talking about, and she's comfortable... Uh, talking about pretty much anything around the case, and we just get right into it right away and talk about um, the real Israel as well as the film itself. So I hope you enjoy the show, and definitely uh, check out the film. Again, it's currently available on VOD. Uh, Big thanks to Bookmans for sponsoring today's show, and thanks to Fort Worth for letting me use the song at the end. Enjoy the show.
1: Yeah, it's, you know, it's a strange thing. I think in like the world of streamers right now, it's like, it's kind of like giving birth, I guess. And like your kid just kind of like leaves and people tell you how it's doing, but you have no idea. Like, you know, there's no visual. It's not like you could just pop into like a theater and see people like laughing or crying or anything. So everyone's just at home. So it's a little strange.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I could imagine that. But the timing of your film coming out right now, and that's something I, I... wanted to talk about right away was, um, I wasn't familiar with the story, so I didn't know where it was going. Um, and I'm not sure how much of this is supposed to be given away or how, because no, one no, of you, the-
1: can, you can, yeah, there's just so many articles about it that, yeah.
0: Okay. Cause what I genuinely, I, I try to keep relatively, um, a closed off view from a film and not have you know that much insight into what's going on. And one of the joys of it was not knowing where it was heading. I had the feeling something was happening, but because yeah. there, it's touching on actually multiple political yeah. issues at once, it could have been something different that I right. was thinking. Yeah. yeah. And in fact, I was kind of convinced that it was going to be more of the, I guess it's the impulsive or the capricious nature of youth yeah. and how that could impact his whole family. Right. Um and it does, but in a different way I thought. So
1: Yeah, yeah um, no, that's exactly right. In fact, when I was researching his character um and I spent a long time with with Israel's family and friends developing his character, you know, I think it was hard for them to give me a complete picture of who Israel was because he had only died a year prior to when I when I started doing work with them and so um, I think it's hard. I you do, you do tend to look through rose-colored glasses, you know, in those situations. And so um I think when I when I started thinking about it coldly, you know, I, I I was thinking, look, at the end of the day, he's he's a good kid. He doesn't do drugs, he doesn't drink, he doesn't do any of that kind of stuff. So what is his downfall? And his downfall pretty much was just being a teen, you know, and thinking that you're invincible and on top of being at the wrong place at the wrong time, doing the wrong thing, but, um, being a teen and just thinking that what you care about matters most. And, um, look, I have kids. I, you know, it's, that's the way it is, you know?
0: And I, that was one thing that immediately grabbed me was that it did paint, um, being a teenager in a very honest light, um, that, that nature of it, but without It didn't feel like it was an archetype. It didn't feel like this was just a caricature. It felt like a fully realized person. But also, I mean, when I was a teenager, I was just such an asshole. And so, and it feels, and he's not, he's a warm, loving individual, but those like selfish decisions you make at that age, he's doing all of them. Yeah.
1: There is, there's, you know, we, I, I have a teenager, my daughter's 15 and a half and there is a, an all importance to every decision and every event yes. and every party. And um, yeah, I mean, and, and so, so that was exactly what I was trying to capture. I mean, I really, I, 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 you know, again, it's like sometimes I, I would say to, to people sometimes when they would say, well, it's like, you know, if, if there was one bad thing about the script then, you know, it's that, that things come so easy to him. And he has this model girlfriend. I'm like, well, what do you want me to do? Like, this is what happened in his real life. I'm like, (laughs) I'm not really sure what you want me to do about this. I'm trying to like, stay real. Like, would you like me to give him a drug problem or like an ugly girlfriend so that you feel better about this being the reality, you know? Um,
0: I was so glad you didn't do that because there's a, from right from the jump, it's, you feel just a sense of warmth with all these characters, the way it's shot, the way they're interacting. There's love in so much of everything that you're seeing on screen. And normally characters like this that have this trajectory to their lives, they're not portrayed in that way. Um, He's not made out to be a saint by any means, but it's also, I think he's made out to be a more realistic person. And there's something that's very approachable and very, even though this has never been my experience, I felt deeply invested and involved in these characters.
1: Thank you. No, thank you. I I truly appreciate that. And and I did. I, 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 um, one of the reasons I joined the project was because I thought it was really important for me with all the conversations that were happening about immigration. It was just really important to me to show the immigrant families, my family's an immigrant family, and to show this is the real immigrant families. I mean, they, they came here by the rules, you know, they did everything that they needed to do. They, they did it to save their kids' lives from what was happening back home, you know, and they were living a really beautiful life as a family here. Um and this is the stuff that happened. It's too easy to take these narratives and just say, "Oh, well, you know, they came here, who knows how they came here and the kid is defacing property and just give it a kind of just a different narrative." And and so I thought it was really important to to paint the family as they were and and show the the love I I saw when I when I interviewed them.
0: And that has to be a, a pretty daunting task to take on to do So when these wounds are still so fresh, to be involved in this project and just honoring their child. So how how do you balance that with also creating a a work of you know entertainment at the same time?
1: Um, I don't know. I'm never doing it again. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Fair enough. It was. (laughs) it was, it was all joking aside. It was really tough. It it really wore on me. It was, it was really, it was six really long years. I mean, and, and it was, it was especially tough because I, I, I fell in love with the family and I, I felt responsible to them. So it's like, you know, as a filmmaker, sometimes projects take off right away. Sometimes they don't, things fall apart. I mean, you're used to the longevity of things and, but, but having this family whose story you're trying to tell, and then somebody, the financing would fall apart or like an actor wouldn't want it they felt it was personal. And so it was, it was so hard. It was so hard to like go back to them every day. And then on top of that, to your other question, I just, um, it was a lot of responsibility. I had to balance how to tell the things that I knew were really important to tell about the story, but still tell them in a way where I had enough creative Liberty to tell 18 years worth of life in 96 minutes. Um, so it was, you know, it's a balance and there's things that obviously we shot that aren't in the film, you know? Um, but yeah. I mean, just do the best you can under a million dollars. Not easy. <laughs>
0: and and sp- if you could speak to that, because the the film looks phenomenal. It looks great. Um, I mean, It's absolutely gorgeous. Is this, did you shoot this in Florida or where did yeah.
1: you? Okay. A shot in Miami. Um, and I'm from Miami. My whole crew is Miami based. So, I mean, we didn't really even, we had a location manager, but we didn't really, we, we kind of just all ourselves were like, Oh, remember that bridge that we used to go to, you know, back then, and we would like head there. Like, remember that weird place in the key, close to the keys, and and that was how our locations happened. And we really wanted to show our Miami. Um, but yeah, the budget was. Uh, To say it was tight is like, (laughs) I mean, it was just I don't even know what it is. It's so crazy tight. Um, But people just did it because they really wanted to help. And you know, we got a lot of slack in the beginning. People were saying to us, "Oh, why don't you guys go to Puerto Rico? Go to Atlanta? You know, you get the thirty percent tax credit um, that you just we don't have in Florida anymore." Um, But because it was such a local story and it was so the community was so invested in telling the story, there was a huge payoff financially by telling the story in Miami, where locations were opened up to us for free, or you know. People would gift us catering or craft services or things like that. That wouldn't happen somewhere else.
0: That's always the uh, unfortunate reality of independent filmmaking or any, any filmmaking, really, yeah. but especially in independent films that you never think about when you first decide to chase that dream. Those, those ideas of locking down locations and tax credits. of right. <laughs> like it, it, All you the know.
1: non-sexy stuff. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and so exactly. that how do you... Um, God, I I would imagine that if there was an unlimited budget, you could do anything you want, shoot wherever you want to get all the people you'd want. But all these things that you ended up with in this film, I think really help it. Your casting here, the lead is brilliant. He's um, so good. He's so engaging. I mean, you're just right away involved with this kid. And I I say kid, I'm sure he's a young man at this point, but he's just so... (laughs) (laughs) to me, you know, I'm 45. So, but it's just
1: 44. So yeah, there we go. (laughs) There you go.
0: And it's just, um, you know, I, it's just, you can see, this is a movie star. This is, he has that thing, that undeniable thing. And I I just feel like you got so fortunate with those, possibly those limitations because you've created something really special here. Um, And just,
1: that means a lot.
0: Thank you. Oh, no, no. I I mean, well, it's probably compounded by the fact that I watched it last week of, of all weeks, and oh. so this this ending just hit like yeah. a ton of bricks, not knowing where it was going to go, and just to have everything that's going on right now, it's just um, I because when I see the 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 first thing that caught me right away when I'm watching this is oh this is a period piece for 2013. Yeah. Okay, what's the story here? Why yeah. is this a 2013 story? What's unique right, about right. you know nine years ago, yeah. eight years ago? So yeah,
1: yeah, no, absolutely, and I think that that was the thing. You know, not to get political, but but the thing with George Floyd was there was a visual, you know, and that, that visual ultimately in the case made all the difference. Um, And it did what I tried to do with the film, which is put it, put a face to the statistics, you know, I mean, it's just so easy to just get jaded and cold about these, these things, you know, and it's like, when you stand back and you think about it, like, look, I, I never wanted to make a, make a, an argument that all cops are bad or anything. I don't even, I don't believe that, you know? Um, but the fact that there are abuses of the system and there are abuses to really innocent people that they shouldn't be happening to, I mean, it's just, it's, it's just so terrible that it's happening in this country, you know? Um, so yeah, but, but to your point about the limitations, I do think the limitations bring out a certain aspect of creativity that if you don't have them, I don't know what I would do with $10 million if somebody gave them to me. I'm sure I could figure it out. Um, but I don't know what I would do. Um, but yeah, I mean, listen, there is definitely things, there's there's ideas I had that we just couldn't shoot. You know, there was there was a level of his artistry that I wanted to show that would have required some sort of special effects or at least an art crew that we just, we couldn't do, you know? Um, but yes, you do end up with a very natural um organic story about this kid and his life. And it probably is closer to what his life was representative of than what I could have done with a much bigger budget.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, um, you do uh, the, the thing that I think is really important that you focus on or touch on, um, without directly saying it, it's that this is a kid that was doing something he shouldn't have been doing, but he should not have been punished in this way. Right. It's something, you know, there's, um, it, it's, that situation that he should have been, you know, yeah. that there's an appropriate reaction to it yeah. and totally. it's not death. It's not a death sentence. And yeah. so that's just, it's insane that we as a society will, that'll be the immediate thing. Well, what were they doing? Right. And it's, Well, and I, i really rarely hear something they were doing something that would warrant an a death sentence right. by somebody without a jury that that's yeah. the immediate, you know, they, they had drugs on them. They did this. They, they mouthed off whatever that was. It's yes, there was copability, but it's degrees. So, and I, and I love that you do explore that here.
1: Yeah, no, thank you. It is important. I mean, at the end of the day, you got to face these things head on, you know, I mean, it's, it's, if we try to, to paint over it and just make him a saint, you know, and make the, the cop, the del- the the devil, You end up with a caricature. I mean, the cop was the devil. But at the end of the day, he had he had in his mind a justification for being upset, you know, again, not to the level of, you know, whatever. But um, it was also a perfect storm because had Israel's family not been dealing with immigration issues. He probably wouldn't have run. You know, this isn't a yeah. reason to, to really run from the cops. I mean, what, what are they going to do? You know, give you a slap on the wrist usually. Um, But I think the fact that he got this kind of crazy police officer and ran and the police officer got more mad and the whole thing. I mean, just kind of compounded the whole situation. Um, But in a in a normal case, I mean, he just he was worried that this would affect his parents visa status. So anyway.
0: Today's episode of the Following Films podcast is brought to you by Bookmans. So, I've been wanting to reread The Stand for a while now, but middle of the pandemic, it <laughs> it, it was a little bit difficult to get started on it. Um, I had the audiobook and I watched the CBS All Access show when that came out, but I realized I didn't actually have a copy of the book anymore, and I wanted to actually sit down and read the book. Now that we're kind of there's light at the end of the tunnel. I have two weeks of the second dose of the vaccine pumping through my body right now. So I'm feeling pretty good. I can go outside without a mask on in the backyard, have a few friends over. I feel good for the first time (laughs) in a really long time um, about this uh, last year. And so I can actually put my head in that world again of Stu and Randall Flagg and all those characters that I haven't spent any time with in years, and so I went down to Bookman's, and I was able to find a hard copy edition of the, um, let's see, it would have been the unabridged version of it, and it has uh, several illustrations throughout it, and it's just a beautiful book, and I was able to pick it up for only a couple dollars, and this is something that I can't believe I didn't have on my shelf, because I like to... Every once in a while, pull out these books, like with Stephen King ones specifically. I love to pull that book out. I also like to pull out Pet Cemetery every once in a while, as well as It. Those are kind of the three books of his that there'll be little things that'll get in the back of my head, or even The Shining. Um, I remember a couple weeks ago, I started thinking about that. Scene where Jack Torrance is out in the uh, topiary garden and the shrubs keep getting closer and closer uh, every time he closes his eyes and opens them again. And one of those moments, it really just freaked me out when I first read it. And I wanted to just read that one scene again. And there's things in the stand that that'll happen with also where I'll want to just go back and reference it. But now I'm actually going to spend the next, uh, I would imagine, at least two weeks uh, to get through these 1100 pages. And I've done this a couple times before I've read this book, but it's just one of those ones that seems to come and go. And it's um, every once in a while I'll pick pick up a copy of it, lend it out to somebody, and then never get it back, and so I'll need to pick up another copy. And uh, I'm always happy to do that with a great book, to just send it back out into the world and then find another copy of it again. In fact, who knows, maybe I've bought the exact same copy more than once now. There's a good chance that somebody... I lent it to, eventually forgot who they borrowed it from and just took it back to Bookman's and then I ended up buying the same copy. I'd kind of love it if that were the case. But anyway, I want to thank Bookman's for sponsoring the show today. Remember, they have your cool covered. Enjoy the rest of the show. I'm glad that I saw this last week as opposed to maybe a month ago. So (laughs) it feels like even though this is, it's one that's headed it in the right direction, but it feels like there, we might be on the precipice of change right now that it could be moving forward. And I think that the idea of something like this and the George Floyd case, and it's just the more that we can actually humanize and lend an actual picture and give an insight to these people's lives, the more real it becomes. And I think that it's just been D de- there are segments of our culture that are, are people, whole swaths of people that are so dehumanized that they're, yeah not valued. And it's, I hope we're moving past that now.
1: No, me too. I hope so too.
0: (laughs) And so, but that's to say um, the movie still, despite all of these um, parts to it and the way that it ends, it's still a really wonderful journey to go down with these characters. And you really love seeing um, their growth and just the normal, petulant teenage stuff. And it's really fun to spend time in this world. And it's, I think that if this is a deeply entertaining film, that's also provocative and you don't see many that strike that balance without coming across as preachy or they're just too damn dry or they're too fun and too silly. And it's like, you, you got the mix right here and that's, that's tough to do.
1: Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. I really, I did. I wanted to focus on his life and, and not his death. Um, and, uh, yeah. I mean, I I look that that's definitely a fear of mine is that because it's so prevalent on the news right now that when people know what it's about, you know, they're like, oh, OK, you know, enough. And, and so hopefully they'll give the film a chance and realize that it is a journey and it's not only about what what ultimately happens.
0: Yeah, it's a this is one of those ones that it's almost. You you have a great poster for it, so you know we're at that point where a thumbnail matters, right. and so you know, somebody's just going to look at the name of this, they're going to see the thumbnail, and there's going to be a lot of people like me that go into this blind, and I think they're going to be pleasantly, pleasantly surprised by this film because it's something that I my I really did knock my hair back. This is something yeah. that just it I was very surprised by um, where this film went, and it's just because I wasn't familiar with the story. Um, right. And so I think that you will have that discovery aspect where it's, this will be a film that gets shared with people and they'll talk about. And for those that aren't familiar with the story um, they, they will end up, I I think finding this because the good things do find their way to the top. So
1: from your mouth to God's ears.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, we're, we're the same age. So we were both uh, kind of came into our knowledge of film with video stores and things like that. So this is really, I think we've kind of come back to that full circle in a way with streaming, where most of the things that I fell in love with, the films that I grew up loving, they weren't things that I saw in a theater. I went to the theater all the time, but it was really things that I saw on VHS with pan and scan, the worst quality possible on a 22-inch right. 4x3 television. So, I mean, you're going to have people discovering this with really nice picture and great sound. And I, I think that this is the absolute perfect film for streaming. So I, I think that people will... I, hadn't,
1: I hadn't made that, that analogy to the blockbusters, but, um, it's, it's true. You're, you're right. You know, I do, I, I was having a, a conversation with a filmmaker friend yesterday and I was wondering, um, do people watch rewatch films anymore? I mean, there are certain films that I've rewatched a hundred times, yes. literally easily a hundred times, you know? And I just wonder, like, does that happen anymore? I don't, I don't know.
0: Uh, Certain, certain people do. Um, I would say that there's people probably like us that do, there's things that I will watch every year, but yeah. even when I'm doing that, there's a part of me that, um, there's so much that's coming out right. that I, I'm immersed in this stuff. I pay attention to it. I write about it. I interview people and there's stuff that I miss. They could stop making things at this point And right. I would never have enough time to catch up with all the things that have already come out.
1: It's crazy. And, it's crazy. Yeah. yeah.
0: And all the while trying to catch up on the things, all the blind spots that I have from like the 40s and 50s and all those things, also. So it's like there's, it's impossible. And the one thing I say that I, love about film though at least it's not a 15 episode or 10 episode arc I can have one night with it in and out and I don't have to wait till episode four for it to get yeah. good you know even if it sucks it's like I was done in 90 minutes so right, right, I, I, exactly. I respect that
1: yeah no exactly it is funny though yeah I, I I've had conversations about like future projects that someone's asking me what are you working on this that and everyone inevitably is like well why don't you try a series instead and I because I love films, I, I I love series. I watch series all the time, but I just, I'm a child of cinema. I really, I, I love it. I, I wanna see the full arc, the full transformation in one movie, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, having said that, I'm super excited. Handmaid's Tale is back on Hulu. but
0: No, no, no. There's, there's stuff that grabs me. I mean, I can't wait for the next season of Better Call Saul. Right. I mean, that, that's like it's yes, there are things that completely grab me. But when it's that thing of, you know, I'll oh, watch this. Uh, OK, great. Highly recommended. I gave it a shot. I gave it one episode. I was done. And and no, no, you have to give it like the first three or four, you have to get to season three. And then it's really good at that point. It's like, I couldn't imagine telling somebody that you have to watch 10 movies to understand this one movie down the road. That's pretty good. It's just, so yeah, I think that's just a, I don't know if it's an age thing because it's all people, our age that are doing this also, but I feel like we're kind of almost back to the, video store clerk days now where films like yours are being recommended to each other where people will discover this and they will share it. It's just, a uh, almost, I'm hoping that that store clerk hasn't completely been replaced by the algorithm right, of right, Netflix exactly. or whatever that exactly. is. Right.
1: Right. Exactly. No, there is, there's, there's, listen, there's definitely such a power to word of mouth, you know, yeah. um, that I think it's better, you know, uh, sorry, you're fine there's a draft <laughs> happening right now. And, and I guess they're very, very excited about what's happening on the draft. Yes.
0: <laughs> I have no idea.
1: <laughs> yeah. NFL, I, you know, other okay. side of the, happens in the, the male side of my household. Um, but yeah, I agree. I hope it's not replaced by the algorithm because, um, there is times where, where I, I, I start to question it. I, I sometimes go onto Netflix or any of these apps and I'm like, why am I being recommended these movies? I mean, you know,
0: <laughs> well, it's, it, so, there, and then I'll move on from this, but there was something where I logged into my HBO account the other day and it, everything that it's recommend to, re- recommending is dumb action movies and big <laughs> spectacle <laughs> stuff. And I'm like, that's fine. It's it, I like that stuff. And But then like I look at my queue and it's all this, you know, Criterion film, right, right. all these old You're classics. Like,
1: How did this make this? Yeah.
0: Well, well no, they think they're right because that, that, those things are sitting in my queue for a year and it's almost like I put them up there on the shelf oh, as like, these are the impressive books that I'm lying out to let you know that I'm I'm well-read.
1: They know the real you.
0: They know the, the real yeah. me is a Jaws poster behind me. So. Exactly,
1: exactly. That's really funny. That's funny and scary all at the same time. <laughs> if they know you better than the you that you're trying to tell the world, then we're, we're in, <laughs> in <a> scary place.
0: <laughs> so- when is your film being released? How can we spread the word about the film? Is it out now already? Oh, I believe? Yeah,
1: it came out this past week. Um, it's out. It's it's in theaters actually in Miami, but um, it's out nationally in uh, Apple, iTunes, Amazon on demand, Google Play, Samsung. I think pretty much every you know digital platform um, that they could, they put it on.
0: That's wonderful. Did you get a chance to sneak into the back of the theater yet and take a look at it, or?
1: We did. We actually had a, we, we had a premiere. So we were supposed to premiere last year um, and we, there was a huge premiere planned. We were going to premiere it here during the Miami film festival. Cause it was such a Miami movie. We really Christ. wanted to share it with our hometown crowd. And, and there was, I mean, it was something crazy, like 1500 people confirmed for this like massive theater. And wow. um, it was March 12th. Then it was the day the world got shut down. So <laughs> yeah, apparently six years to tell a movie wasn't enough. We needed that seventh year to really make it like, you know, a true passion project. So um, yeah, so here we are a year later. And so the Miami Film Festival called us and they said, look, we can't really do that kind of screening, but we'd still love to do a screening for you guys. So they did. They they did a screening and um, Israel's parents were there and a lot of his friends. And it was it was a really beautiful moment. And so that was last week. And yeah, now it's out everywhere.
0: That's wonderful. Congratulations. Uh, that, that's, it's a rare feat to be able to see anything in a theater now. I'm glad you got to do that because I would love to have had the opportunity to share this with an audience, but I'm glad I got to see it with my family. So, and I definitely highly, highly recommend this film to anybody that's out there and that it's accessible like that for everybody. That's great. Cause this is something that I think that there's not a lot of movies that I could say that I would enjoy. My wife would enjoy. And I'm pretty sure my mom would enjoy as well. And that we could all have a conversation afterwards. And that's the, those are the best films. Those are the ones that I, that stay with me for years afterwards it's the ones that you sit around in the parking lot for you know 20-30 minutes afterwards talking with the people that you met at the theater about what you just saw um and I think this is this is one of those so So
1: thank you you. for that no thank you that was so nice of you thank you